Welcome to Playback, a Variety podcast. I'm your host, Variety Awards editor Chris Tapley. On today's show, with Oscar nominations right around the corner, a last look at predictions. What's going to happen next week? A little bit later, I'll be talking to La La Land director Damien Chazelle. So stick around. All right, folks, we're back, and I'm here with Janelle Riley. And Tim Gray. Tim Gray is back. We're going to do some predictions talk here with the uh, nominations a couple days away. Have we discussed, um, I know you've said this before, but I'm a little annoyed because I was hoping they would follow the example of the Emmys and other people who do announcements a little bit later. Instead, they move them earlier. Move them earlier. As I said in the thing I wrote, I think they should just do the primetime deal. It's a great idea. But I guess they think they can't get ratings. Do you know anything about that, Tim? That- no, I, I, I've always wondered. I mean, because that, that, that idea has come up occasionally over the years, and the, and they always kind of like, I don't know, I don't think so. They, they just kind of dismiss it. And I think, wait, because I would think uh, ABC would want that. Yeah, do a primetime yeah. special. I mean, get some big talent. Yeah. Sell I mean, advertising. I think it's a good idea. And I, I think doing it, you know, online only, it's like, you know, it's a little, uh, I think it's a little radical, but I don't know. I don't and someone know. said, well, you know, this way people won't have to be up at, you know, some ungodly hour. No, we're still up. <laughs> and some of us still have to go on TV and talk about the nominations. It's just earlier now. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I think the ungodly hour is like 3 a.m. for the publicists that trek down there. Do you do TV that morning? I usually or? do okay. TV that morning, so I have to be up in, in hair and makeup by like 4. I don't know how you do that crap. <laughs> couldn't, couldn't possibly. I can't say no to the camera, Chris. <laughs> the camera demands what it demands. So much so that you puke before you go on the air. That was only once, <laughs> and I was fabulous. <laughs> Wait, wait, wait. wait. You got to listen to the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a whole other direction. Yeah. I don't know that story. She, she Golden Globes one morning, time. like two minutes before I was about to go live on air. It was the Golden Globes, to be yeah. fair. So. <laughs> oh, without. <laughs> but yeah, I just think uh, if it was a handsomely produced special, mm-hmm. like, uh, I don't know how you'd be able to pull it off in terms of. Uh, you know, it wouldn't be a live event per se, so you'd have the nominations already out there, so then you're at risk of, like,. Oh, see, I think they could announce them live. I guess you could. I mean, it just takes a creative producer. I don't know if anybody's willing to do something like that. Well, Hollywood has none of those. Yeah, what can you say? Well, uh, yeah, so the nominations are Tuesday, 24th. They're on a Tuesday this year. They're usually, they've been Thursdays for a while. They used to be Tuesdays. Then they were Thursdays, and now they're back to Tuesday. It's actually Thursday. It's just earlier in the morning. Yeah, right. yeah so it's, it's that it's technically Tuesday. And the voting window just zipped by because yeah, it was like was eight crazy. days. Shortest voting we're window. We're still in SAG voting for really? SAG winners. Yeah, I don't think it closes till next week. The shows on the like the twenty eighth or the twenty ninth. Wow. Shows twenty ninth. I yeah. think. But but yeah, I mean because you know the, the nominations uh, counting the ballots are always much more complicated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When when there's fewer, they they can do it. But. With the academy, you know, they've been saying for years that that more people are voting electronically and the majority are voting electronically. So I guess that's why they're reducing it. Yeah. But, uh, but it it did it did seem a very short window. And it made the Golden Globes in a position to be, yeah. you know, somewhat impactful. I don't know if they will be. Certainly, as we talked about last week, like Meryl Streep's speech yeah. was a big splash, and Isabel Huppert winning. We talked about Best Actress last week. It seems like that last spot is either Huppert or Benning. You agree? 
I actually, I am still, and maybe, you know, I know that this is supposed to be kind of radical predictions, so maybe this is just wishful thinking. It's supposed to be, just be <laughs> honest. Uh, well, but I uh, see, but this is the thing. I don't know if this is just me or if this is reality, um, but I am still holding out hope for a Taraji P. Henson nomination. Um, and I think that that would either shove out Isabel Huppert or Meryl Streep. I don't, I think don't see Meryl budging at this point. Yeah, I don't. I mean, it's possible just because Hidden Figures came on when it, strong when it did. And there was like a George Lucas event they had in the middle of voting. And I mean, it, obviously, the box office was a big story. It's had me wondering about like Kevin Costner. Yes, that's another person that sliding I think in. in. You think he's in? I do. But then the question is, who's out? I've decided Aaron Taylor Johnson's not real. Okay, you've, you've decided, decided he's a phantom. Yes. Um, and I was saying earlier, in well, in, in supporting actor, we the the perceived frontrunners are Mahershala Ali, Jeff Bridges, Dev Patel, Lucas Hedges, and Hugh Grant. I think Aaron Taylor Johnson could supplant Lucas Hedges. Um, and I think, you know how there's always a weird anomaly mm-hmm. every year, something comes out of nowhere? I could see Jeff Bridges being pushed out by Ben Foster for the same movie. That would be interesting. Yeah. I mean, they've both been on the circuit, you know. Uh, I think Foster is actually definitely lurking. Uh, he's so good in the movie, you know. So good. Such a colorful performance. My guess, though, is Kevin Costner gets in over either Jeff Bridges or Lucas Hedges. What do you think, Tim? I, um, I, I kind of, th- I kind of think Jeff Bridges is is a lock, but um, you know, I I loved uh, Kevin Costner, so I'd I'd be really happy to see him nominated. Yeah. Uh, was he was around too. He was doing stuff. Yeah, yeah, no, he, he was. was yeah. He was, and it, it, but it, so they, it's kind of a reminder. It's like God, he, he's been around a long time, and he's really done good work. I mean, he, you know, he he was a star, mm-hmm. but 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 I think a lot of people didn't remember that he's always been a really good actor too. Yeah. And I also think that movie, um, uh, Hidden Figures, I think is. I think is much more of a powerhouse than some I people think. I think so too. That's what we've been saying all it, along. It came late in the year. A lot of people didn't see it, but it's like everybody who sees it is—they not only like it, but they're enthused about it. And I think you know, you don't have to win over everybody, but but if you have people that are passionate, and I think this movie has a lot of people that are passionate. And it took on a whole new shine after the election. Yeah. yeah. As well. Yeah. It's also the movie everyone. I don't know anyone who doesn't like it. Yeah. Even if people right. don't think it's brilliant, right. you know. Everyone I talk to, most people I talk to, love it. It's sort of built to succeed. Yeah. I mean, just in, in how it's made. Uh, another intangible is like, you're a fan of Silence, right, Tim? Yeah, I love yeah, Silence. Yeah, big fan. Uh, it's it's lurking because it's like there's a passion vote contingent. There are people who love the movie. Uh, you know, he's he's written online, I think, so it's fair to say. I believe Rod Laurie is an example of somebody who said it was his favorite movie of the year on Facebook. So, you know, if there's enough people... To garner votes, it could slide in. But regarding supporting actor, this guy uh, Ogata Isi, you're looking at the Asian as if you expect me to know how to pronounce it. (laughs) (laughs) However, you pronounce the gentleman's name, uh, he plays basically the the villain of of the movie, and for lack of a better word, I guess the Hans Landa of Silence, if you will. (laughs) Uh, He's possible. I mean, oh yeah, for just like a, a fluke, like oh. That happened. Mm-hmm. You know, Tommy Lee Jones showing up in, in the Valley of Ela. Like, stuff like that. Like, Ken Watanabe, the year everyone thought Tom Cruise would get nominated for The Last yeah. Samurai. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the thing that I find with Silence, because I, I loved it, but but I, I realize it's not a movie for everybody. I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's long, and it, it requires some work. But my big fear about it in terms of awards is not enough people have seen it. Mm-hmm. I talk to so many people who say, yeah, I need, I need to see that. But I bet directors uh, have seen it. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, I, you know, I, I think that's true. And I also think um, a lot of below-the-line work. Um, I mean, the, the mm-hmm. cinematography, costume design, production design will do well. But best picture, I don't know. I'm, I'm pulling for it, but I, but I don't know. Uh, I don't know how it will do. Yeah, people either haven't seen it or I've even heard some saw it like, Christmas and it like ruined their Christmas. <laughs> like, like they're just so bummed. It, it's a re- it's a movie we talked about that requires time. Mm, you can't yeah. just drop that movie on the. Uh, yeah, I, I mean one of one of the main points for Silence has been that it's Martin Scorsese's passion project. And mm-hmm. I, I was thinking, you know, like Schindler's List was mm-hmm. also a passion project that just immediately connected with viewers, but Vertigo. Is uh, was a passion project for Hitchcock, and it took people a lot of time to kind of let that sink yeah. in and and to catch on. So sure. um, you know, passion projects are interesting, and but I, I I do think you're right. I think directors will 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 get it right away. So do you think Scorsese gets into director? I don't have him now. I actually have David McKenzie. Oh, I could see that for yeah. Hell or High Water. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I th- yeah. I, I, I again, that, that's that's one of those movies that the people that I talk to, it's it's almost a guilty pleasure, but they don't mm-hmm. quite feel guilty about it. But right. but they'll say, I really like Hell or High Water. They're almost kind of surprised mm-hmm. that all these months later that they, they still like it. But I mean, it's a real movie. Movie. It's one of those movies that teeters on the verge of genre, but it's about yeah. something real, and 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 it's uh, yeah. I mean, it's hard to not like it. Do you have him replacing Mel Gibson? Is mm-hmm. that your thinking? I have him replacing Scorsese. So we ha- oh, so well, we have Jamie and Chazelle, mm-hmm. Barry Jenkins, Kenneth Lonergan, Denis Villeneuve, and then you have <laughs> <laughs> Denis Villeneuve. Wait, do I have? Are you saying Denis? Denis is out then? I've got somebody out. We, obviously, you have Damien and Barry and Kenneth. Yeah. So then your other two are Gibson Villeneuve. Scorsese and I have McKenzie in there. I mean, maybe, maybe I should pull up my own predictions and find out. <laughs> I have him in there right now, and somebody out, maybe Gibson. Yeah, honestly, like he obviously, actually, I think it might be Gibson that I took out because I thought he had a better shot at the DGA than he would the director's branch. And bigger I'm body. really worried that Denny is going to get screwed, like he does every year, and not make it into the Oscar race, which would be a he shame. Might, he might get in, but they are, you know, they they it's what three hundred. People yeah. who vote for director, they get very passionate about movies that frequently mm-hmm. aren't nominated. I could see them going with Scorsese. I could see them going with Tom Ford. I've heard the funniest conspiracy theories about the way they vote, too. Like, really? Like we were talking to somebody last year about Lenny Abramson getting in, and I was like, how did that happen? And like, and Ridley Scott gets like misses. I mean, one theory is people feel like, oh, Ridley Scott, Ben Affleck, like, they're safe. I'm yeah. going to spread my vote to someone else. Another theory is... They don't feel like they have anything to feel threatened by with Ben Zeitlin or Lenny Abramson, so they don't they don't mind giving those guys. It sounds like the craziest theory I've ever heard, but I've heard it from directors. So, threatened in the sense like this guy giving take Ridley Scott more power, giving with an Oscar nominee. It's a silly well, thought, Garth but people Davis have it. Lion got a surprise DGA. Yep. You don't have him in the Oscar. Uh, I have him in the just on the outside. Actually, mm-hmm. I think I might have him at six right now. I have Damien Barry Kenneth. Mel and Scorsese, um, because I am afraid, like I said, Denny will get screwed. Scorsese's a fair bet, just because, uh, again... He's Scorsese. He's Scorsese. Yeah. Uh, any thoughts on, like, the various craft areas? You guys into Not that? Not really. Like, all the categories? <laughs> no, any, anything. Like, for instance, original score is, like, a total cluster to me. Yeah. Because that branch always votes for its own. It's, like, John Williams, Thomas Newman, lately Alexander Desplat. 
but like it's full of newbies this year with Justin Hurwitz and uh, Mika Levy for Jackie, mm-hmm. and like you know someone like Abel Korsin- Korsinowski, the Nocturnal Animals mm-hmm. composer. Uh, not a newbie per se, but never been nominated. So there's just a lot of those names yeah. in the mix. And I feel like you can't bet against John Williams. Yeah. But that movie died. No one cared about it. Disney certainly didn't do anything with it. They didn't even have it on their FYC site. Really? They've got like nine wow. movies on there, and they don't have the BFG. Wow. I mean, that that is interesting. But John Williams, I mean, seriously, when he got nominated for the song from the remake of Sabrina, yeah. I thought, all right, I mean, if, if this man sneezes, he's going to get nominated. And we know they didn't see that. Yeah, exactly. And there's hidden figures, like with Pharrell is in there as well. I, you know, Kubo is a possibility. They like mm-hmm. kind of culturally flavored music mm-hmm. in that branch, and Dario Marianelli has been around. Yeah. Uh, but then there's like Michael Giacchino, if Rogue One could slide in, maybe. It's just an example of a difficult category for me. So are we all in agreement on the five uh, Best Actor nominees? <laughs> Janelle's can, can we go back to the big category? <laughs> Sorry. I don't even know what a score is. <laughs> actor, uh, actor, actor's pretty locked Denzel in, Denzel Washington, like. Ryan Gosling, Andrew Garfield, and Viggo Mortensen. Yeah. With Tom Hanks as a possible spoiler? I think you got to let that go. I'm not I am clinging on for dear life. <laughs> I think you got to let that yeah. one go. I, I feel like that's as locked as it comes, and I feel like Sporting Actress is pretty locked in, too. I don't know. Um, I mean, I, I keep thinking maybe Janelle Monet will make a showing but she after hasn't. all this time. I mean, we have Viola Davis, Naomi Harris, Nicole Kidman, and Michelle Williams, and then Octavia Spencer. It's got to be Octavia. Yeah. But to go back to the actor for a second, I mean, do we think Casey Affleck has a lot to win? No, I don't. I'm not calling anyone a lock until the SAG Awards. Okay. I mean, because I was thinking, I mean, he's won almost everything. And and I think that kind of works on the supposition, like there was Mm -hmm. one performance that really mattered this year. And when you look at the other contenders for for, the ones we listed, you know, Denzel Washington, Viggo Mortensen, Andrew Garfield. Ryan got, those are terrific performances. Yeah. And I'm thinking, mm-hmm. you know, I think they would have won one or two by this point. But. Well, and these are also, you know, critics groups that are awarding yeah. him and whatever the Golden Globes is. So we haven't seen any actual Academy voters, yeah, you know, or guilds speak. I mean, look, I, I'd say he's the front runner, but I'm not counting out, you know, any of these people, honestly. Yeah. yeah. I watched The Nice Guys again. It's such a last great movie. Night. I have problems with it. Sure, it's not honestly. a perfect movie, but it is it a fun movie. confuses me. The plot is, even for Shane Black, is like, good Oh, it's Lord. needlessly convoluted. But, uh, you know, that shows a lot of Gosling's range. Yeah. I mean, that'd be nice to get the word out with something like that. Yeah. I mean, Gosling could totally um, win this on, on just the love of La La Land mm-hmm. and how great he and Emma Stone are together. Mm-hmm. Um, actress, I wanted to ask, uh, Emily Blunt can't happen, right? It could. <laughs> Don't I mean, tell me could, that could but happen. I would be kind of stunned yeah. if it does. I would be. I mean, I was a little stunned by the BAFTA nomination, yeah. but you know, I guess she's British. She's, I hate to yeah. just say that, but and she, again, I feel bad because it's a good performance. I'm not, you know, picking on the performance. I'm just saying it's a crazy crowded category. Yeah, and you know, when we're talking about, I think we agree Emma Stone and Natalie Portman are locks. Probably Amy Adams. Probably Meryl Streep. And then you have like people like Isabel Huppert yeah, and Taraji P. Henson and Ruth Nega. Like it would be very strange to me. Speaking of Ruth Nega, Loving is this movie that it was always kind of soft. In as much as look, I love the movie, but uh, it was going to be hard to penetrate in an Oscar race. And but I think about a movie like that that kept missing Guild nominations, and then I think about a movie like Room that kept missing Guild mm-hmm. nominations, mm-hmm. and then just showed up everywhere. Mm-hmm. So like. 
it's hard to really know yeah. like what those guilds are telling us versus what could be lurking you know no, and and with loving i mean you know when i saw it i thought boy they should compile like a, a sizzle reel for each of those two actors joel edgerton and her because they're both good in the film but but when you realize how different they are mm -hmm. from uh, those characters and how different right. it is from anything else they've done you think okay they, i mean they they could win it if, if, if people got a sizzle reel together mm -hmm. but yeah uh, yeah it's it's it is kind of below the radar but it's also i mean you know, I always wish the the Academy and all of these groups would show their results because then you could find yeah. out, you could do, you know, more scientifically. Okay, a lot of hurt this feelings. This group is, <laughs> is voting for, the, for, for this one. And, and, and these, uh, the, the cinematographers are leaning toward this kind of a, a film. Yeah. Because I honestly don't know what with Loving or <clears throat> um, another uh, focus movie, uh, Nocturnal Animals. I kind of think that's going to do well below the line. But yeah, I and I think Loving has a shot at adapted screenplay now that it's been moved that's just, into the adapted category. Well, that's a tighter category. I mean, it's like, that, that was going to bring that up. Like, Nocturnal Animals, Hacksaw Ridge, maybe Silence on the Outside. Fences, I think, is actually vulnerable. I think you might be right, because you also have Lion, Arrival, and Hidden Figures. They're all in, I think. Really? And, and Moonlight is adapted now for the Academy. Yes, it is, so, which opens up some nice space in original. Yeah. yeah. Which is where, like, an I, Daniel Blake, which, like, kind of took off at BAFTA, mm -hmm. could maybe slide in, or Zootopia, by the way, Zootopia I think is great. a real sh yeah. possibility I, I, for no, screenplay. I, for screenplay. I think that's a good guess. For original screenplay, I think, I mean, we have Manchester by the Sea and La La Land, and probably Hell or High Water, yeah. I think, would be the locks. But, I mean, that opens up room for Captain Fantastic, for The Lobster, I've got those two Zootopia. right now. Yeah. Yeah. I, again, I don't know if it's just me wishful thinking, but I have Captain Fantastic as a... Uh, Front runner mm -hmm. to win? No, oh no, to get in. To, to get to get nominated. Get nominated. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. I think that makes total sense. It's a La La Manchester. Did Trumbo showdown. get nominated for screenplay? Don't Trumbo, no, think Trumbo just so. got nominated. I think it I think only got Cranston. Cranston. Just Cranston. Yeah. Okay. Always interesting to see what Bleaker's going to do. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I think Zootopia is fully deserving of a nomination. I would love to see that happen. Yeah. And they have nominated uh, uh, animated yeah, Pixar, up, usually. Up yeah. was nominated. Yeah. yeah. It would be the first. Tom like, McCarthy's first nomination for Up. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And Joss Whedon was nominated for part of the Toy Story lineup. That's right. Um, Deadpool. Oh, boy. We talked about it last Here week. Here we go again. <laughs> yeah. I got Ryan on the phone to talk about it. Did you see my column this no, week? No, I didn't. I was like, I should probably write something about this guild well, show of support. Not just... The whole thing all along the way has been it's the big little movie that could, but mm -hmm. it's one thing for the critics to be like, oh, this is a great superhero movie, but, you know, when your peers, the guilds, are, mm -hmm. like, standing up for it, I just wanted yeah. to hear what he had to say about that, and I was like, hey, man, you should have Deadpool, like, reference the Oscars in the next movie. Oh, my gosh, absolutely. <laughs> he was like, I don't know if we'll talk about award season, but maybe something about how great the year has been. Deadpool anyway, should appear at the Oscars, regardless mm -hmm. of if it's nominated or not. If you're listening, Michael DeLuca. <laughs> uh, but what do you think? Any, any? What have you made of the Deadpool showing? I, I mean, I'm I'm really happy about it because I've been saying for years that I, I wish the Academy would nominate more popular films. Mm -hmm. I mean, it 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 seems to have gotten into a kind of low budget uh, indie groove recently. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I, I feel like when Deadpool opened, 
you know, everybody that I talked to really enjoyed it, and they were kind of surprised by it. And mm-hmm. Surprise is always a, a, a valuable asset in awards season. Mm-hmm. But but I don't know that people took it seriously. But again, I, I do think you know everybody's kind of depressed this year, and I, I think some a, a film like No Country for Old Men would have more trouble this year because it's so dark right. and gloomy that it's like and, and people are saying you know what I like Deadpool I'm, you know I'm voting for <laughs> that's it that's why La La's gonna run the table yeah, yeah. well I, yeah I, th- I think I think that really helps La La Land and uh, Hidden Figures yeah um, because uh, you, you know you, you're in a good mood when you exit those but also in movies like Deadpool I mean I would kind of be surprised because it's nominated for Best Picture sure but I think I think in a lot of the other categories uh, screenplay is possible yeah, I mean, I we just talked about Adapted yeah. being yeah. packed but it is a quippy movie. It's very much a, I guess, a screenplay movie. If it, you is, will. it is. Yeah, it's, it's very clever. I mean, and and uh, I think people people like it because of that. It's funny that movie opened before last year's Oscar ceremony, yep. and here we are talking about it. Oh. So for endurance alone, yeah. it might get some votes. Well, let's uh, wrap it up with just one off the wall prediction that you have. I hate to put you on the spot, but I'm gonna. Is this something that we hope happens or something, think will happen? Something you think will happen. You uh, said something at the beginning of the podcast. I'm not sure if you're willing to go on the record with. Well, I have something bigger, I think. Oh, um, let's hear it. I'm going to say Captain Fantastic for Best Picture. Ooh. As nominated or yes. win? No. Come on. I am, I am a realist at heart. <laughs> okay, yeah. All right, all right. Nomination for Captain Fantastic Best Picture, Janelle. Got the SAG Ensemble nomination. It did. I think people are really starting to discover it now, too, now yeah. that it's yeah. available on DVD. No, yeah. Is it on Netflix, too? I don't think so. Something was on Netflix I saw the other day. Yeah. What about you, Tim? He's studying the list here. No, I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm looking because I, I feel like this is one of those years where there, there's a lot of movies. I mean, like um, Nocturnal Animals, which I liked a lot. It's like I wouldn't be stunned if it does get nominated for Best Picture, but I wouldn't be stunned if it doesn't. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like I'm, I'm feeling a little wishy-washy here because I, I feel like in every category there's, there's more than five possibilities mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, my big question is you know how many movies are going to get nominated because that that whole process I have of nine voting, and it feels like too many you 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 think nine will get nominated? that's what I'm predicting right now but yeah. I just feel I like mean, I, you know I hope so I'd I'd be happy if it was ten but but it's like you know that system is so convoluted and and basically it's like if, if you don't get a lot of votes number one or number two position mm-hmm. you know you're not going to get in there so I think I don't know who that's going to eliminate. Which is not so. None of this is really a prediction, but uh, yeah, I was gonna say non-committal from Tim. <laughs> yeah, 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 I am. A, I am a little non. Put him down for a maybe. Yeah, yeah. Be, because I, I do. Th- I mean, I, I'm guessing my my one uh, possible omission is uh, Kenneth Lonergan not nominated for best director. That's, yeah. that's a fair one because I think I think I think everybody will vote for that for screenplay, but it's like I, I don't know. Directing is you know it's it's a group of three hundred directors mm-hmm. who vote and do the do they? But they consider, love him. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean he's got he's got the prestige. So I mean, it's that was my fear though with Tom McCarthy last year. I yeah, kept thinking he'd true. miss out on yeah, directing yeah. and but get the you know uh, win screenplay. Yeah. But they they kept putting him in there. Yeah. Thank God. Yeah. Well, me, I guess mine is kind of David McKenzie. Like I mentioned earlier, but I have one in the crafts categories that uh, I just want to mention. Sorry to bore Janelle. Yeah, <laughs> I fell asleep over here because clearly I don't care any about anything but stars. Best sound mixing. Yeah. Don't be surprised if Thirteen Hours is nominated. Thir- you mean the Thirteenth? No. I oh, mean Thirteen, 13 hours. hours. Oh, Michael Bay's oh, movie. The movie that Which literally came out over a year yes. ago. 
Uh, that is Greg P. Russell. You yeah. know Greg. Yeah. Uh, 18 or something nominations, never mm-hmm. won, always for Michael Bay movies. Uh, his Those movies don't get like a lot of love from the campaign yeah. within yeah. Right. Paramount, especially a year like this where they've yeah. got four movies. But they finally sent that disc to just the sound branch. Oh, great. That same thing that happened with Salt and it got in. All they need to do is see the movie, mm-hmm. and that work is typically immaculate, I or feel. Or not even see the movie and see Greg P. Russell's name. <laughs> or that. Yeah. But no, it, they, he does great work. He's and, fantastic. And, and it's not just him, obviously. It's Gary Summers and Jeffrey Abush and, and his team. But I think uh, if that pops up, don't be surprised. That's all I'm saying. Well, that I mean, that that's a, that's a kind of an, an out-of-the-blue choice, but... Logical, yeah, because, because, it, because again, I, I feel like look, if, if uh, costume designers and animators were voting on sound, I'm not sure that would get in. But I think sound people know what is entailed for yeah. a movie like that. So it's like, yeah, I, I could see that. Absolutely. And you're coming down on no Aaron Taylor Johnson in the final. I think I'm going to say that's just, yeah, not going to happen. But stats be damned. We'll see what happens. <laughs> Boy, I don't know. I think I'm. <sighs> I, I think I'm going to agree with, you know, this is a fear I have. I fear that Hugh Grant will be squeezed out, and I don't want that to happen. But I just, you know, he wasn't nominated for About a Boy. Right. Um, I don't know how the Academy feels about him. He's so good in Florence Foster Jenkins, yeah. but I, I'm afraid he's vulnerable. Well, I mean, I, I, I do think I mean, it's a generalization, but I think people like Hugh Grant and Ryan Gosling they make it look easy, mm-hmm. you know, and, exactly. and and that kind of works against them. And you know, it's like, oh, he's always good, um, but but you think, yeah, but it's not easy to be that good. And, and yeah, and and he is, he uh, Hugh Grant is really good in this film. He's really good, and it's kind of a lead performance. Yeah. So he he does get a lot to do, and I feel like if people are going to nominate Merrill, they're going to have to nominate the person who's doing everything opposite. It. That's true. Yeah. Well, this week, uh, Damien Chazelle oh, is coming in. Cool. And uh, Was he here kind on the of the holiday? man of the hour. He's actually coming in today. Oh, okay, cool. Uh, sweeping the globe, seven wins, high on life. I'm going to talk to him about that and maybe some of that Neil Armstrong stuff. So uh, anyway, stick around for uh, Damien right after this. Thanks for coming in. Appreciate it.
All right, welcome back, everyone. I'm here with the writer and director of La La Land, Damien Chazelle. Welcome, sir. Thanks for doing the show. Thanks for having me. Uh, hot off seven wins at the Golden Globes, kind of the man of the hour right now. How's that feel? A little scary. Just a little? <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> I don't think I was, uh, I was quite expecting that. So, uh, yeah. What was that night like? Here I am. Um, it was... Uh, it was surreal. I mean, it was. I had never been to the Globes before, so um, um, so I kind of didn't have any frame of reference. Really, I just sort of, you know, sat there hoping for hoping for good stuff. I, I was really happy when Justin, you know, I went to school with, uh, uh, you know, got back to back wins. Got the. That's true. Yeah, yeah. And then um, and then Ryan, you know. Uh, Ryan was the first acting win, so I, I remember kind of feeling those in a very emotional way, and when Emma went up, uh, very emotional. But it's the weird thing, when your name is called, at least in my case, I'm not, it's not like this immense surge of gratitude coming over me, it's just terror, because yeah. it means you have to go up there, Get up and, there and say talk. something. Yeah. Were you drunk? No. no. That's the thing to Maybe do at not the Golden Globes. Yeah, yeah. You gotta I, even I, pop I, a value. I was tempering it a little bit, because <laughs> I was getting over a cold, and I'd been oh, told yeah. to, you know, um, but it's, hey, you live and learn. Yeah, next time. <laughs> next time, just get crap faced. <laughs> right. Thanks. That's what I'll have learned from you. <laughs> By the way, I just want to say this: when this airs, it's going to be airing on your birthday. Happy birthday! Oh, cool. Thanks. Uh, sweet sixteen. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> you're Thirty-two years old, and you're pulling this stuff off, man. I mean, like, w- were you just ready to come out of the canon after you wrapped up college and everything, and just start making movies? I mean, were you just motivated from the start because? You know, to to pull off what you have in such a short amount of time is pretty impressive, I feel like. And it just speaks to me to, like, an initial circumstance of commitment from the get-go. Yeah, I mean, I I guess that is the the thing I had um, in my favor was just was never wanting to do anything else, really. I I kind of, uh, since since I can remember, since I was a a little kid, um, you know, since before I even knew what a director was, whatever a movie was, I wanted to do that. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, it started with like Disney animated movies. So I, I, I guess I wanted to be Walt Disney. You know, mm-hmm. that was the name that okay, I, I want to animate. Um, mm-hmm. And I drew a lot at that time. And then I started writing once I learned how to write, and uh, um, and you know, uh, started watching more live action movies and wanted to do that. And it was just kind of year by year, I would learn a little bit more about what being a movie maker, you know, uh, of any kind of sort was. But I never kind of you know, I, I was passionately into music for a while, but that was still almost like a side thing compared to how I felt about movies. Mm -hmm. Um, And, uh, you know, so made home movies growing up as a kid, wrote scripts, made student movies, you know, in college, and then moved right out to L.A. right after. Um, So just kind of, yeah, knew knew what I wanted, just didn't know exactly how to get there. Um, You've kept the music part alive in your work, obviously, with with all three of these movies uh, so far. Yeah. And you were interested in becoming a musician at one point yourself. Like, yeah, I mean, so that's I think I read that you felt like you just didn't have the talent. Was that the deal? I mean, it, it was that, and also I didn't have the, the. I think when I was honest with myself, I was, I, you know, I just I never was as passionate about music as I was about movies. If I had to kind of make that decision, um, mm-hmm. uh, it, it's, uh, in other words, no, I didn't have the innate talent uh, for for music. I don't think I didn't have whatever that thing is in your bones that kind of you know can make you a great musician. Um, mm-hmm. 
And on the other hand, I also didn't have the will to put in the work to make up for a lack of innate talent, if that makes sense. You sure. Know? So the the because uh, I put in that work for a few years, I really did. Um, you know, practicing six hours a day and just kind of that was my life for you know we're talking kind of high school. What like, were you playing? Drums. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, but anything I, I mean, else I or just I, drums? Uh, just drums. Yeah. It's just you know, again, very mono <laughs> focus. <laughs> um, mainly jazz drums, you know. Um, sure. And. Uh, um, so I think it was a kind of a period of my life that left me with a lot of experiences and emotions and you know stuff to draw from, but but it never quite translated into that vocational calling the way yeah. that, that movies had just always naturally seemed to me. Yeah. But it was the closest I ever came to not doing movies was was doing music. Well, uh, I know that you and Justin have talked about Justin Hurwitz, your composer, who does have the innate ability to, to, to be God. a musician. Yes. <laughs> uh, you guys have talked about this project was kind of the one that you wanted to do for a long time. What I'm curious about is that's one thing when you're back east dreaming it up, but when you get out here, how does Los Angeles change your perspective of this project and, and as it starts to, to develop further? Well, I mean, I, the the uh, the idea of setting it in L.A. or, or doing an L.A. set musical didn't, didn't really come to our heads until we were both in L.A. Um, I think, we, you know, we, we, we did this movie Guy Malin on a park bench when we were uh, uh, seniors in college. It was our senior thesis. And it was, you know, in some ways it was like the lab experiment for this. I mean, it was, it was um, that same kind of idea of trying to smash MGM musicals with sort of almost documentary city reality, mm-hmm. modern reality, um, and, and, and see what would happen in jazz and, and, and uh you know the sort of the French New Wave and all those things kind of thrown in a lot of our our mutual loves thrown in both musically and and and, and cinematically and and uh, um, but that was you know that was set in Boston uh, where we were at the time and then you know we moved to L.A. and it was a few years into living in L.A. that you know uh, uh, La La Land that I started actually writing La La Land mm-hmm. and um, and it was that time in my life where uh, yeah L.A. was not you know ironically for a movie that is sort of a you know at least was intended to be somewhat of a love letter to the city. It was not a place I loved at the time I started writing. I uh, can understand. Uh, <laughs> movie. Um, I, I was late to, to love L.A. 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 was like an acquired taste for me. And, yeah. and once I fell in love, I really fell in love. But um, but it was the things that were really the most kind of uh, felt the most uh, um, present about L.A. to me when I first started writing La La Land were, you know, uh, uh, just the months and years rolling by, no seasons. So time just seemed to slip through my fingers and I'd wake up and realize a year had passed and nothing had happened. I wasn't mm-hmm. any closer to my dream. Mm-hmm. Um, the Also, the kind of that weird thing in L.A. where on the one hand, it's this dream city. You know, you're, you're, you're by the studio lots. You're in the place where the, the things are made that you want to be making. Uh, the weather is great. The palm trees look fake. Everything is just kind of uh, a little bit better than reality, and yet you're you're faced with the you know constant sort of uh, um, I don't know, like almost the 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 drudgery of reality is also in your face in, right. in, in, in a bigger way. The traffic, the you know, you, like anywhere you got to you got to pay the bills. You got to find a way to kind of actually live as a human being in this city, and uh, and you're constantly aware of how far you are, how close, and how how far you are from from your dreams. So that's what was going through my head. And I think in many ways, it's what I tried to kind of, you know, put in the script. That's all of that is certainly why it spoke to me. Uh, I saw the film, obviously, in Telluride and uh, or just before then, but there as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was right after you premiered in Venice. Mm-hmm. 
So you've, you did that big Venice Telluride Toronto circuit, uh, which we talked about a little bit in, in Telluride, but at the start of things, I mean, that must have been quite a whirlwind. I mean, fly yeah. over back from Italy, and uh, yeah. you, go, you go to Telluride, it's this idyllic setting, and then you go up to Junketland, right. Toronto, Yeah, and uh, it's just such a few people have, have done that, you know, it's like... I think Darren Aronofsky did it with Black Swan. Mm-hmm. Is one that comes to mind. Uh, what was that little circuit like at the start for you? It was uh, it was exhausting, but it was it was really honestly the moment it began was really it, it was just kind of wonderful. Like I actually mm-hmm. have really great memories of I, I I had never been to the Venice Film Festival before. I had never been to Telluride at all before, yeah. um, and. Uh, and I had a ton of dread leading up to our premiere in Venice. Um, you know, uh, uh, this this was a movie more so than Whiplash, more so than anything I, I had done. This felt like this really kind of personal, sort of uh, uh, kind of private passion that I that I had sort of uh, uh, you know that had taken a while to get made that I dreamed of making for a while, and then suddenly it's like, okay, you got to unleash that to the world. And I was really. Um, I was more scared to do that than I've ever been, mm-hmm. um, you know, on the eve of any premiere of anything I've done. So, uh, so I went to Venice with a lot of trepidation, and um, and I sat through the premiere, kind of sweating, and <laughs> I literally had to close my eyes for half of it. I mean, it was just, it, it was like a get me anywhere but here thing. And then the movie ended, and it was received well, and and it just kind of set the tone for what became that little festival gauntlet in such a in such a beautiful way, you know, I, mean, yeah. I was obviously surrounded by a lot of the people that I made the movie with and, and, uh, and then, you know, we got on a plane and went to Telluride and it was just kind of, um, it was, it was surreal and just wonderful in, in the best way, but it was also like a big sigh of relief. Um, mm-hmm. even though there were stressful things coming up, the, the dread before the premiere had been so intense on my part that just showing it, getting that premiere off my back was like, okay, now I can try to actually, um, enjoy what, what should be a little bit of a, a ideally an enjoyable moment getting to, to to show your movie to the world yeah and i was just going to ask how did it feel different than the whiplash thing which you, you just spoke to but like that was such a cinderella year for that movie and and another a very long gauntlet because it started at sundance mm-hmm. uh and then you know goes on to win three oscars uh but this one has felt like more of like giving birth i guess to you yeah i, I think because uh whiplash was was so kind of rushed out you know, mm-hmm. in a way that uh, it needed that it, energy too. I think, yeah, in a way that, that I makes liked. its way it's into true. the movie, yeah. right? Um, but like, you know, the, the editing was done very quickly, and then boom, we were at Sundance. So I, I didn't have as much time to have panic attacks <laughs> with Whiplash. <laughs> I was too busy to be scared. Um, but this movie, you know, six years of trying to get it made. Then the making of it, we edited for about a year. You know, that was much longer than I was used to editing something for. You know, during that time, you can second guess yourself a lot and try different iterations of the movie, and, and you become very obsessed with what's not working and, and mm-hmm. trying to find a way to solve it. And you never know for sure if you have solved it, because mm-hmm. in a way, the world is going to tell you that. So, I, I um, that coupled with you know opening night at Venice, it just felt like the spotlight was burning on us more than 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 you feel at Sundance, which still is kind of a discovery festival, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, th- I think all of that just it just felt like higher stakes, and it felt. Um, it felt like a like a like a more dramatic unveiling, um, which again you'd think would excite me, but but I guess I'm kind of neurotic. So hey, I, well, yeah, you got to be an artist. <laughs> uh, you're born in Providence. How, how much time did you spend there? 
Not much. Just uh, I think just that. I mean, I don't have any memories of Providence. Randomly it was, curious. It was, just, it was less than a year. If you're a Fairly Brothers fan. Well, I am, but not like I mean, not because of Providence. Not because of Providence. <laughs> it, was, it was you know after the fact I realized they were even from that. Do you know Providence? At no, all? not at all. From Fairly I've, Brothers. I've movies. been back since you know to my to my homestead, and it's uh, yeah. it's a nice town, but I can't claim any real ownership of it. Your parents. It's. It, it, I'm curious how your childhood shaped you as an artist if you could even speak to it uh, you know your mom is a writer and a history mm-hmm. professor your dad is a professor with computer science so it's kind of like the arts and the sciences yeah. colliding there uh, how, how did their worldview and, and your childhood kind of shape do you think you, yourself as an artist uh, I mean I, th- I think uh, so you know I mean I, I they're both professors, uh, so I, I, education was important, you know, mm-hmm. and and uh, so like getting a full liberal arts education, you know, um, it, it didn't matter that I was kind of gung ho about film from from an early age. I was gonna, they were gonna make, you know, they were gonna see to it that I was gonna get a full, broad education and everything, um, which I think I resisted at the time, you know. Um, they were right, but uh, I look back and. As Damn somebody it. who went to film school, Damn it, they, they were, were right. right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so I, you know, I, I think that was that was top of the line. But, but yeah, at the same time, they were very, yeah. I mean, they, they were. I can't complain because they were very supportive. I mean, they, they, they I, I know they nursed worries about you know um, exactly where I was headed. Um, especially the move to LA, I mm-hmm. think was not was not ideal for them. You know, um, we were living in Jersey uh, at the time, and and and. Um, but they, but at least openly, they were very supportive, and 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 I know I benefited from at least you know kind of having having parents who cared about culture. You know, sure. like I, I have very you know vivid memories as a kid of my mom taking me into New York. We were lucky enough to live about an hour outside the city, so we just go into New York and go to. Uh, again, a lot of the times, I hate to say, I was probably dragged in kicking and screaming, but, mm-hmm. you know, to the Met or to, you know, the, the uh, uh, MoMA or whatever, and, and just uh, 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 kind of having my eyes opened in that way um, yeah. before I was even, I think, aware that I should be grateful, you know? Yeah, totally. Um, I think that kind of forced culture a little bit um, was was good for me, and I... Um, and I think, yeah, especially on her on her end, you know, she, she studies... Uh, I mean, she studies medieval history, but specifically um, kind of religious art of, of the early Middle Ages. So there was a weird mix in the house of like of of like biblical stories going all the time, uh, and but also stories from medieval Europe, and you know knights on horseback and monks in monasteries, and so all that stuff just kind of started fascinating me, mm-hmm. and and uh, and um, so I think just kind of. I don't know storytelling on like a broader scale and yeah. just the history of it was just kind of filling the you house. Said you were living in Jersey. Yeah. Where at? Uh, Princeton, New Jersey. Princeton. Yeah. What, what were you doing before you moved to LA? Like, what was your odd job life like? Well, and it, before I, before you were making movies, I should say. Like in college or? Yeah, or? in college and just. I'm I'm just kind of I'm playing a little Bar- Barbara Walters here. I guess I don't mean to. <laughs> But just, I'm curious what kind of odd jobs racket you were dealing with yeah, uh, before, you know, really being able to chase your dream. I was, I was trying to... I was Did you deliver try- pizzas? Yes, yeah, yeah. I, I, well, my equivalent of that was uh, I worked uh, um, 
I worked at a, a like a deli meat counter at a, mm-hmm. uh, the grocery lo- the local grocery store. Um, Did that Boar's Head? Um, yeah, yeah, <laughs> Boar's, lo- lots Boar's of Head Boar's deli head. meat. Yep, yep. I know it. Um, that was uh, yeah, Boar's Head turkey, right, and mm-hmm. all the all the all the varieties. Um, <laughs> And making sandwiches and all that stuff. I worked for a moving company for a tiny bit, an embarrassingly tiny bit. Um, I did, uh, you know, once once I was a little bit later into school to make ends meet. You know, I was I was writing um, like study guides and stuff like that. You know, online. Um, I mean, the, the 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 through line was always just to try to find stuff that would make money that was kind of flexible hours or part time or whatever that would leave me time to to write scripts or to, you know, do, do what I wanted to do. So, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, c- creatively. So it was always trying to find like, what's the, I mean, that, that, that was the way it was actually moving. As soon as I moved to LA too, I started, um, uh, tutoring kids. Uh, you know, I, I kept, kept up writing the study guides. Um, uh, I tried playing a little bit of, you know, I tried getting paid as a musician for a little bit, but I couldn't keep up the practice hours. Mm-hmm. So I got fired pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so the jobs I was able to maintain were just jobs that were really kind of like uh, the, the sort of uh, would take the bare minimum of time and get me just the minimum I needed to pay the rent, you know, pay the bills, yeah. um, not be completely uh, out on the street. And uh, and then any spare hour I had, I was spending writing scripts. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to venture out a little bit and uh, discuss the Neil Armstrong thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a fascinating thing for you to tackle, I feel. Um What's the hook for you initially on that? Is it is there something about obviously just the story is is, is amazing, but is there anything specifically about the man? Like, w- what has been the hook into wanting to tell a story about Neil Armstrong for you? Well, the the, the hook in a way was to kind of think of it less as a uh, not as a biopic and 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 really specifically as a mission movie, mm-hmm. um, and just thinking of the moon landing on the moon as this sort of insane like once in history mission mm-hmm. um, that I think we have a hard time even fathoming as a society now. In other words, we take it for granted, I think, that you know, at least kids in my generation, you grow up, you know that Neil Armstrong walked on the moon, you see the picture, it's all very gleaming, it has the American flag, and you feel you know, you feel proud and, and, and that's kind of it. You don't you sort of accept that it happened. Um, mm-hmm. so I, I think the, the the challenge or the hope with this would be to try to try to play a little bit of a rewind and and, and put you in a mindset where it hasn't happened yet, and it is the most insane thing that's ever been propositioned. It's the most insane thing that a country or, or, or that a group of people has ever come together to do. Um, the riskiest, most expensive undertaking ever. Um, and the fact that it was laid on the shoulders of, of you know these 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 people, like you know Neil Armstrong being one of them, uh, and the one we choose to focus on in this movie, just who who had to suddenly carry the weight of 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 um, of an entire nation and, and in some cases an entire world. Um, so I, I, I think it's just the unlikeliness and the, the insanity and the danger and the risk and the, the kind of, um, um, uh, yeah, just the, 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 the sort of bravado and craziness of the whole project that really, that really kind of fascinates me. But I definitely see it more as a mission movie than as a, uh, as a life, life of. Well, that just sparks for me if I try to connect a through line from all your work and then now to that one, it sounds like another movie about dreaming. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's uh, um, it's, it's a little, I'd say, you know, maybe a little darker in tone than, than La La Land. So, so I think of it a little more as, as sort of whiplash in space rather mm-hmm. than La La Land in space. But, I, but, it, but, it's, uh, <laughs> but it's definitely, you know, the, the, that kind of... Um, 
dreaming and and the cost of having a dream, yeah. the sacrifice behind it. And not to emboss the modern context, but a certainly kind of story it'd be nice to see right now as a reminder of what we were capable of when we were that crazy to think we could do something like that. Yeah, it's a weird. Um, it's it's. Uh, it, it was this weird moment in history, um, and again, it's complicated because you know it's it's on the one hand it's easy to be very idealistic about it. On the other hand, I think it's also this very interesting thing of like you know looking at at looking at the cost uh, in lives and money and everything that went behind it, and 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 uh, um, you know initially emerging as almost kind of a you know part of the Cold War. It wouldn't have happened without without that. Uh, so it's it's it's. Uh, you know, I, I I think it's it just poses a lot of questions. I think about you know cost versus reward and, yeah. and w- what exactly did we get from it, and what exactly also did the people who actually undertook that mission get from it or not? You know, what did they sacrifice, uh, and and in the name of what? Um, I think we can all agree that it was this great crowning moment um, of actually walking on the moon, but but I think it's it sort of behooves us to look at exactly what what the price was to get there, and yeah. and and then make make a decision. You know. Well, but also it's the ripple effect of not just that specific mission, but just the the space race in general uh, that we take for granted today. I mean, you know, microelectronics, everything mm-hmm. came out of that. Everything yeah. came out of that race. And people say, you know, oh, why do we put money into, why do we want to put money into that now? Because of that effect, what it can yield. Yeah. I also think there's like sometimes there's, uh, there's this is where I relate it a little bit to, uh, to you know the the arts or whatever, hopefully not in a in a you know grandiose way, but just that idea sometimes that that things can mean more than their what their kind of obvious initial function seems mm-hmm. to suggest. You know, it's kind of easy to look at someone walking on the moon and go, well, what does that actually do mm-hmm. concretely for people? Um, but I think in many cases, you know, you can point to a work of art and say the same thing. You know, and and that there's something maybe a little more ineffable that you get from whether it was the moment Neil Armstrong walked on the moon or, you know, the Sistine Chapel or, you know, the Mona Lisa or, or what have you, the, you know, uh, uh, you know, Beethoven's Ninth or something. There, there's something that you get, that humanity gets from those works that um, that can't be described in purely utilitarian functional terms. Yeah. Um, and uh, um, so sometimes I feel like some kind of a... a yeah, there's there's a little bit of a parallel with you know trying uh, trying to argue why why the arts are useful, for yeah, example. You indeed. Know? <laughs> indeed, and also, uh, well, I guess Ryan Gosling's the only cast member you've announced for that, right? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's the only only cast member um, uh, in the movie so far. Yeah. So, but you're gonna have Buzz Aldrin. In there, yes, we yeah. will. Yeah. You ever met Buzz? I have not. Have you ever seen that video have of him punching that guy? The guy that made the movie about the moon landing being faked, and he got in his face, and he called him a, oh, yeah, a liar, and, yeah, a yeah. and he just decks him. Yeah, it's hilarious. Yeah. I have met him, and I asked him one time, like, what do you say you to people? Oh, yeah. that's cool. I was like, what do you say to people who uh, don't don't believe you that you guys went to the moon? And he's like, uh, he made a good point, actually. He was like, look, the Russians were watching everything we were doing. If we didn't go, wouldn't they have called foul? Yeah, right. And I was like, God, that makes so much sense. <laughs> you know, that's... that's uh it's not a bad counter-argument. You know, <laughs> yeah. he came from Jersey. There you go. Maybe he'll be walking on the moon next. At least I think he, at least that's what they teach Jersey school kids when we were, when we were in, like, fourth <laughs> grade. It might be all. How, what kind of a role do you think musical play in that movie? Um, well, uh, it's funny you ask that. I'm, 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 I've been talking a lot with, with Justin, uh, you know, about soundscape and instrumentation and stuff. Uh, uh, honestly, we don't have any answers yet. It's weird, you know, trying to figure out, got to figure out what, 
what you would score that to. Mm-hmm. Space is tough, too, because it's like we're all kind of in the shadow of 2001 a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's like once you put the, you know, the <laughs> the Daniel Waltz, uh, you know, uh, in space, it kind of just defines space for us now. So mm-hmm. every piece of space scoring since then, it's kind of a very, it's, it's like an answer to or a variation of that. So right. it's, it's, it's tough to try to think of like how to, how to get outside that. I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll uh, I've no doubt Justin will, will, figure something out but it's that that's kind of a fun a fun challenge and also looking at some of the the space movies since 2001 that have you know that have taken their own approach uh, you know i think i think uh interstellar has a beautiful score that i was just re-listening mm-hmm. to um um and uh obviously gravity you know so there's there's uh um there's this great documentary uh the last man on the moon um mm-hmm. about gene cernan who just recently yeah. passed away um uh, which also has a lovely, um, lovely sequences of score. Um, so anyway, it's it's yeah, we'll Don't figure it out. But but music is always going to be. I mean, in a way, it's it's you know, it's a way of pointing out that that um, no, it's not going to be a musical. It's not going to be about music as its subject. It'll, it'll be my first time doing a movie that's not about music as its subject. But but that doesn't mean music won't be as big. You know, uh, yeah. play as big a role in it as as, as anything I do. Do you think you'll maintain most of your crew going forward on that? Like, uh, I hope so. Linus yeah, and yeah, yeah. That's, certainly, Tom will be back. I imagine that's that's uh, that's very much the idea. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then the last thing I wanted to discuss briefly, I just wrote it, wrote the title down. It's another movie you were involved with this year, Ten Cloverfield Lane, mm. uh, that you worked on the script for. You were potentially going to direct at one point, but mm-hmm. uh, Whiplash became available. To you were able to direct that. Yeah. Essentially, is what happened, right? Uh, what do you think of the finished product? I loved it. Honestly, it's one I of my was, favorite movies was, of the year. It, 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 uh, it totally took me by surprise because I didn't even know they were making it. You know, I, I mm. wrote this back in. Um, and again, I should clarify. I rewrote. I did a rewrite on it. I then got rewritten afterwards. So I, I, it's 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 not like I can claim much credit for for the final product. Um, uh, and I I saw. Um, I so, you know it's bad robot. They're very secretive. They're very good yeah. at keeping secrets. So I had no idea that it was it was being shot or when or whatever. It was it was a different name when I wrote it. So anyway, um, and then I like get a call the day before the trailer comes out just to kind of let me know, hey, uh, the tra- you know we shot this, we made it, we're releasing it. The trailer's coming out tomorrow. <laughs> and, Your name's uh, on it. Just FYI, <laughs> yeah. And uh, um, so I went I went to see it having no idea um, what what it would be. And I was so pleasantly surprised. I mean, surprised because I, I uh, not that it was so radically different from what I'd worked on, but just that there's many ways a movie like that can go wrong. And, yeah. and, and I think what Dan Trachtenberg, the director did was so, um, he almost makes it look easy, but he pulls off a real feat in that movie. I think the um, DGA and, nominee uh, right alongside you, very, first time des- very deservedly. So yeah, I, I, I really think it's a beautiful piece of filmmaking. Really, really beautiful. Yeah. Can you speak to? Uh, I'm just curious. Just any of the specifics that you worked on when you were writing. Uh, what, what are some of the elements that you can speak to that you um, the, worked the, on? I. I uh, I think a lot of the broad strokes were very broad strokes were in place. I definitely, I mean, I think most of what I did was sort of at a character level, um, uh, you know, especially between what became John Goodman's character and, and what became Mary Elizabeth Winstead's character. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, so, you know, watching the movie, there, there were there were you know certain stretches of dialogue or sequences that I that you know that, but it wasn't that, that like, I was like oh I, I remember I remember writing that, but um, I feel like I've seen mentioned that you. The alien stuff at the end was you. Is that not true? No, that's okay. not true. Yeah, the, the the um, 
broad strokes were pretty much there. Yeah, the script okay. I was given ended with this kind of alien attack. Really, the the um, it, w- it was the interpersonal dynamics and workings that yeah. um, had to be kind of uh, toyed with a bit. Um, and uh, but I was also happy to see again, like so. So I, I took the script to a certain place, but then I was happy to see on the screen um, that that you know stuff beyond that had been added or tweaked or changed in, in again really good ways. I mean, they just uh, I think they they made what I did better. Um, so it's a good flick. Well, uh, the movie's La La Land. If everyone hasn't heard about it <laughs> somehow, <laughs> uh, go see it. It's awesome. My favorite movie of the year. And uh, Thanks, happy birthday again! Thank you. You're off to Asia to promote this thing, right? Yeah, yeah. So, I, it's my yeah. He, he made a face like he's not sure. I well, think he it, needs people to tell him where to go at this it, point. Is that the deal? It, it's it's yeah. It's it's a little <laughs> bit the deal in terms of where and when. But I'm told I'm going to Asia in a few days, okay. so I'm excited about that. <laughs> safe travels. We'll see you when you get back. Thanks, man. Thanks All for right. having me. You got it. Thanks for listening, everyone. Remember to subscribe and check back next week. You've been listening to Playback at Variety. Variety.